Hey guys, welcome back to the Rhythm Section, brought to you as always by The Mind Refinery. I'm Kyle Bodanis. For this very special episode, we're getting back to our look at the creative world of Kanye West, the deep dive into my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which just had its 10-year anniversary. We recorded this along with the remaining episodes in the series towards the beginning of lockdown. Before we, you know, kind of worked the home recording kinks out, the show actually predates Coburn and I creating the rhythm section. It was a really great conversation. We had fun doing it. We hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. All right, guys, for the second leg of our deep dive into the creative world of Kanye West, we have the incomparable... Coburn Blair. How you guys doing? And we have Mind Refinery Creative, Andrew Lanza. Hey, hey. Okay, guys, just because of time constraints, we definitely have to move on. Um, yeah, I yeah, think so. I, I want to move on to the what many people, and I believe, is the masterpiece. The magnum opus. The magnum opus. The uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Uh, initial reactions to this album. I mean, this album... In light of all that's happened, like, you know, like we talked about, like him getting called an asshole by Trump, like everyone in the media was hounding him. Like you couldn't really go through the news cycle without hearing like Kanye is the biggest dickhead. Like I think a lot of normal people at this time started having like very strong opinions about Kanye and none of them were were good and not a lot of them were tied to his music or like his body of work. But like this album, like I think like you got talk about the SNL performance. Yeah. Because I've been like one of the months and months of silence from Kanye and like speculation on what he was doing, what he was feeling. And kind of in, in the light, in the same way that 808 was like a lot of turmoil, like this I think was turmoil at like a more grandiose scale because you have like the president and whoever else involved in Taylor Swift like embodied America's sweetheart. So you have that yeah. kind of thing of her being this like young white girl and like this like black like and also she's dressing white at the time and Kanye's dressing black and you have this whole kind of tumultuous thing leading up to it and then Connie comes out and the stage is like all wrapped and he's like just there like with a huge chain on and PC just like firing off and it's just yeah I know it's like honestly you had to like be there yeah white America was not happy with that they were just like we can't handle this she's an angel and they went crazy yeah um for me so as like as i've said like i've I've come to kanye later this was actually my first kanye album i'll I'll paint the scene for you if you will i was heading down to uh bonnaroo in tennessee and somebody was like oh like we're like picking something to put on during the drive and someone's like oh i'm gonna put on the new kanye my first thoughts i'm like come on fuck that like i I don't want to hear this i don't like i don't want to hear this new kanye and then, like, I got overruled very quickly. And whatever, we're driving. We're driving through, like, Tennessee or, like, Kentucky or some shit. And I'm like, you know, fuck, fine, whatever. I'm going to sit here and listen to this new Kanye. And it was, like, super quiet. Everybody was kind of snoozing, whatever. And I just really took in this album. And very, like, almost instantly, I went from, like, I don't want to hear this album turned off to, like, holy fuck. Like, I was completely blown away by this album. By the end of the album, I was like, god damn like i didn't know people made music like this like i i can't even explain to you it it i did a complete 180 not only on this album but on on kanye and this is what made me go back and listen to all the old back catalog and really actually become a genuine kanye fan so like 
yeah, just on a first listen to, again, me being re- like highly resistant to listening to it and like, you know, even t- almost tainting it from the beginning, I was like, like within like half a song, like within Gorgeous, I was already hooked. I was like, okay, holy fuck, this is next level. I need more of this. So both NME and Rolling Stone said this was one of the greatest records of all time. Uh, debuted at number one on the Billboard charts, number one on a bunch of year-end lists, number one on a bunch of best of 2010s list, snubbed at the Grammys. I don't understand that. Well, to me, it's like fucking, they're tone deaf anyways. I mean, Jeff Rotal winning for best metal, like, come on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're, uh, I don't even know why I wrote that, because thinking about it, I'm like, they're so fucking tone deaf and not in tune with the music industry anyways. Uh, George Kondo's album art is mentioned among the greatest album Absolutely. design and art as of all time. The Billboards, Billboard magazine said it was the 33rd best album cover of all time. It got higher than Blind Face. Which, which which one? Which one? The like the uh, like, like like the sex act on the cover with like well, just the whole like album the art. The like this guy, like, or is, like every every like, version of it. Like this whole thing is like they're talking about they're they're talking about the cover in the same breath as like. Are you experienced Zeppelin Four, fucking Thriller, Purple Rain, Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and Animals? Uh, yeah. uh, Blind Faith's record was on it. Fucking Layla, another sort of love songs was on it. Like these are like what classic... about Mars Volta? Any, any Mars Volta albums? On no, there? they're not fucking no, what. Bill, Billboard's it's... no Billboard's not going to have the Billboard's not going to well, have it's... the guts to put a Mars. They don't even know who they don't know who Mars Volta is. They still well. They use uh, what's his name, uh, Storm Thurkson, bro. That yeah, um, that's who you Pink get. Floyd used. Anyway, that's I thought maybe for which there. for which uh, record, Bedlam and Goliath. Um, I believe. Um, was it Bedlam and Goliath? I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll get back to you on that one. I I think it might be multiple, but I I could be wrong. So anyway, th- th- this is off the top of my head. I wasn't expecting to talk about Mars. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, standout tracks, guys. What uh, what did we love? I mean, I think. Like gorgeous for me, like yeah, that's my having bringing me back to uh Kanye and Kid Cudi and like you know a continuation of the eight oh eights in the heartbreak, and then also having the veteran like Raekwon on there. I think I have to give it to Power just based off of like the SNL um, performance. Uh, yeah, I heard they had to change. They had to like apparently after that performance, it was like something like now you can't like bring staging anymore if you're a musical performer because like like he found out the exact dimensions of like the sound like the the sound stage for the uh, artist performance and like used every square inch of it oh uh, yeah <laughs> now, so kanye <laughs> yeah so kanye like literally every so now apparently now ever since then like before you used to have like you know not crazy like elaborate setups but you used to have like some bands come in and have like some some staging but ever since since that it like Apparently, like, yeah, now you cannot, like, you can bring your shit and, like, maybe, like, oh, a couple things, but, like, yeah, no full-on staging. I, uh, Gorgeous is good. I mean, anytime we're bringing out Raekwon, I'm totally down for it. Power, uh, using the 24th, uh, 21st century uh, Schizoid Man sample, uh, fantastic. I fucking really, really is that, like that. Is that uh, King King Crimson That's King sample? Crimson, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, King Crimson. I, so. uh, I love Monster, because I was going to say... Let's bring everybody out for his fuckless Bonnie Vare. Let's bring him out. Let's do it. Dude, let's have Jay Z, Rick Ross. Her her fucking verse her on this verse is, is awesome. insane. insane. Really, really, really good. And I mean, so appalled as well. Like everybody's on this thing. And yeah, I, I love, know, like, like 
Devil in a New Dress too. I think that's like one of my favorite Rick, Rick Ross verses. Like it's great. The production on it is just so lush. Like it just sets such a tone. Honestly, for me, um, yeah, I, I would have to say Gorgeous and Monster, but then also um, maybe a little bit of a, a random choice. But it like I don't know what it is. It really hits me. Fucking Blame Game. Something about Blame Game. John Legend. Like, you have, like, yeah. yeah, John Legend. You have you have the um, the Chris Rock outro, but that song man like the lyrics of that song are fucking i don't know man they they're that i, I listen to that song when i want to feel sad i don't know it, it's 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 a deep one to me I, I i i really like fucking blame game but uh fucking runaway so good too so among the accolades i listed rolling stone magazine called this the sergeant peppers of hip-hop what's your thoughts on this is this the lead? This is the leading candidate for the best Kanye West album. Let's, like, do we agree on that? Or let's talk about all that. Let's unpack. Yeah, that. I, I'd say first of all, yes. This is not only is this my favorite Kanye West album by a mile. Um, I I would have to put this in my top five of all time. Maybe even like top three albums of all time. So when you when they said this is the Sergeant Pepper's of uh, like this is Kanye's Sergeant Pepper, like the Sergeant Pepper of, of hip hop. Like what? Did, what? What do you think they meant by that? I want. I want to give some context to this. I think. I think they meant they were looking at it in terms of an artistic expression. How mm-hmm. Sergeant Pepper's in 1967, when it drops, has a massive impact on rock music. In fact, the next decade of music that came after that, and 50 years of music after that, it was heavily influenced and almost entire almost entirely has a debt to Sgt. Peppers because this is a studio album. This is not something that is meant to be reproduced. This is the studio being used as an instrument. And mm-hmm. you see this with Jimi Hendrix, uh you see this with the Who and you see all these, you know, these acts f- fucking Motown definitely is influenced by this. And you start seeing artistic expressions by people like Marvin Gaye, where they're using the studio to kind of express themselves, and it really makes producing a massive part of what is happening in popular music. And I think that they were trying to say that really no hip-hop record has achieved that level of artistic expression from a thematic element, from a sonic element, from the people playing on it, and just what it will mean for the music moving forward. In, in that context, I'll just say, sorry, let me just say, I'll, I'll say yes. That's I, I think all. I'd say no on, on that. Oh. I think this album is, it's his most charged album. I think it is his most like spanning album in terms of like collaboration, production. And I feel like this album was almost made in the vacuum of all the kind of turmoil and like where Kanye was at before this in maybe the same way 808s was but i don't and i think this is his most like widely accessible to the most people and for that but i don't think it's his most influential album like i don't think like people like i think there's elements that people have like kind of bored from this album but i don't think that this album like influenced hip-hop in such a profound way as maybe 808s did i think like this album is great and i think it's maybe his main opus in a way. And I think that if you synthesize everything that Kanye is, it leads to this album and like it, it like perfectly aligns to this point. But I don't think that this is the most influential album that he's made. 
I, I, I agree yeah. with that. I, 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 I agree. I think 808s 100%. I don't, I don't think many people will argue that it's probably more influential on the current state of not only hip hop, but music. I think that's the big thing is that 808 is the info is the influential record. This for me is he's taken everything that he's learned thus far and put it all together. Yeah. That's like from and, a- yeah. Cause if you're to show what is Kanye West's sound, if you were to give one record to show somebody that defines his entire career, let's say you were forced to do that. You're probably going to give them this record. Not because it's I the, I, not because it's necessarily uh his most influential or you know you can argue about whether or not it's the best but he's the most encompassing of everything from the time he was cutting beats to the time you know where he finished 808 like this is that album like that's the album i I think for me i think you almost need i might put the late registration there because I think there's something, the, like a lot of the beauty in this album is everything that kind of came before it and everything that, that led up to it. And I think you get a lot of this album, like even like the way that like you listen to it for the first time in, in the car and like it like kind of shaped you. But I think like knowing something about Kanye's history before this album improves like the listening of this album. That's interesting. It's when put against, yeah. it's yeah. the context of his predecessors. It, um, that's it for me. That's inter- yeah. I think that's interesting. I, th- I mean, late re- late registration for me. If I think that's his best record, I think that's the best. I, I like personally what I love the most, and I connect with. Yeah, like I think late registration. But I'm just curious as why do you think that looking back and the, it being contextualized against the rest of his career is why they give this record that much accolades also in that the late registration was only the second album so it's almost like you're not going to give that to him yet if that makes any sense and that we want to see what else he's going to do yet yeah i think so i think like obviously this album is great like it's like pretty much flawless to me um but i think there's a beauty in like knowing the context of this album that like makes it stand out in a way that without context, I could see maybe somebody like not getting the album all the way through. Mm-hmm. That like with a late registration or like this album almost feels like it's like the necessary. I end feel like he almost like put that the like the chapter he's closing, he almost like put on hold for 808. Like yeah. 808 was kind of like a side tangent that he didn't like go back to until like kids he goes. Well, yeah, well, I think that's like kind of like what I was saying before and like sorry to keep bringing up good ass job, but like even this album in like the year leading up when he signed Big Sean and like a few other people were around, um, they knew this album as it was going to be called Good Ass Job because he was going to go back to the tangent of like grid graduation and, and everything before okay. that. So this album, I think with the whole Taylor Swift thing and with like the way America and the world was against him, like that's why he kind of twisted what that was into my dark twisted fantasy so from a thematic standpoint you know andrew martin of prefix magazine described this as a meditation on fame you know like do you agree with that statement do you think that also this carries enough of the weighty thematic elements to to really be compared to an album like sergeant peppers 
I don't think I don't think you can necessarily just boil it down to one theme, honestly. Like I know I, I haven't read this guy's rest of his article, but like to say it's like I mean, yeah, it does meditate on fame, but it far from only meditates on fame. Like you have so many different themes on here, like lost like, you know, love ending, uh love starting, uh you, like, you know, the, the the current climate in, in America uh at the time but do you not yeah, just to, just to interject and i'll ask you this question do you not think that those particular themes are through the lens of fame i think they're through his lens and he's famous through his so lens yes of, yeah, yeah and his so yes of but i don't think uh, yeah yeah like so, like so yes like you can't not but i, I don't know i don't think that that it's i don't know I, I i see what you're saying and like okay like it is like a through line but i know i just feel like it touches on so many more themes than just that no because i think you said something interesting there and i'm just curious as to it's mostly me asking is how you know tight is this you know what i mean like how many like frayed pieces there are how well is he bringing it all together what is unifying about it what is it unifying about so I thought you it was, it was an interesting point. What do you think, Coburn? Yeah, I think this is absolutely like a reflection on fame and like how fame kind of corrupts. It's him kind of self-reflecting on everything that has happened before it. Like, I think power is ultimately about that. I think all the lights is about that and touches on that. I think even like when he repurposes Gil Scott Heron on Who Will Survive in America, that's apparent. Like, I don't think there's an aspect of this album that's not like completely like encompassed by that. 808s is largely about the heartbreak associated, you know, with fame. Whereas this is more of a vitriolic musing on it, where it's a little bit showing more of the, uh, the bitterness towards it rather than, you know, and like looking at it from the context of race, looking at it from, you know, the context of wealth and that kind of thing. I think that, you know, he does really well on driving those things home with this. I'm just, I, I, I think this will be, I mean, given it, when you're putting it against the backdrop of then he's going to move to Jesus and then like Jesus is the complete vitriol. It's like the, it is the, almost the protest record from him, right? It's like, I'm going to give you, it's the, you know, Neil Young or Lou Reed, I'm going to give you a bunch of fucking static on a recording because I just have to, I have to contractually give you an album, right? Like that kind of thing, except that it was his version of it where he, of course there has to be a level of fucking opulence to it, but still, but that we'll get into that next episode. Well, I, I think know. too with, with 808s, like 808s is a very, is a record that was made in the moment. So the record, you know, it was just after those things have happened. Whereas I think this album is a further distillation of thoughts and feelings he was having at the time. And I think anyways was a dump of all those thoughts and feelings onto wax and, you know, to get, and he put that record out. Whereas this is those thoughts and feelings that he was having at the 808s time and combined with being like the most hated person in America for a time period or whatever. And it boils down to this. And like you said, where Jesus is a protest record, I think this is record is him kind of like spitting and scoffing at the idea of, fame and that he was so important that the president had to say something you know that like you know like why does he have all this power like what does this mean and how does you know like how does he understand and interpolate it this kind of moves well into my it, it combines into the you know kind of the next question i had which was you know how how has Kanye west arrived at this point and like 
how do you explain the progression from 808 to this record? Like, how do you explain that? Because it's almost like an anime side mission, uh, 808, because I, I think that you were right in that it is kind of, when given what he's about to do, it's 808 maybe was just the emotional record, the blood on the tracks, if you will, uh, to use a Bob Dylan example, you know, where he had to get that, where it was about that expression, he required it, and then everything kind of, you know, gets back to the main narrative. Well, I think too, like this record gets back to Connie having larger rooms and larger uh, collaborative bodies. So you have like, obviously Elton John's on the record. He has like Rihanna, he has uh, like repurposes Gil Scott Heron. Like I said, he has like, it's just Justin Vernon. Like, Justin Vernon. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like his contribution contributions are amazing on this album. Um, so I think it's him getting back to, like, it's a bit more in line with a uh, late registration where like he's doing like a big body of work and big kind of collaborations. And I think uh, 808s was a bit more narrow in scope and a bit more focused on his feelings. Whereas this is like his feelings plus, you know, pulling from a different, more like sources. I agree. The, the limit in scope, the, the, the more limited scope, because there is something to be said about having, you know, a more focused, thing it's why always the bigger like for me this is, doesn't seem like sergeant peppers for me this record seems like a white album that's what it seems like and it seems like there's except but there's so much filler on the white album i know it's t- it's much tighter you do there is so i know i don't want to hear fucking rocky raccoon if you would like to add us about <laughs> i fucking loving, love rocky raccoon Fuck get off. out just please disconnect your zoom and is rocky raccoon the beatles drunken hot girls no, Drunken Hot Girls. That's is Bungalow Bill. That's Bungalow, that's Bungalow <laughs> yeah. Bill. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One hundred percent. You know what I mean. But I think this is where he's experimenting and stuff. I'm tight, tighter than White Album, and you can at me on fucking social media about that. I love the fucking White Album, but there's tracks I can't deal with it on it. Just give me a give me a revolver or a you know let it be. Oh yeah. Um. So, you know, I think that this record is sonically everywhere and and create and create you know he's speaking in terms of colors and textures about it and i think that you probably need 808 to get to this but i understand where people like can't see the musical connection because it's hard and i think it's probably more embedded in process but i mean definitely at the end of the day you know you're you're bringing the jeff basker along i think he's the big through line from uh the big through line through this yeah, I think like, you know, there's elements of 808s in the Hell of a Life. There's elements of it in like the drum pad, uh, the 808 being used. Like there's elements of it in uh, Runaway. I think one question I have is, do you think Kanye could make this album again? No. What do you uh, what do you mean by that? Like instead of making it then, making it now? Or like make something no, make, similar now? Something similar that sounds like like this album or like has the same textures or qualities like could he like remake this album in a way that like maybe late registration is an, is an improvement on college dropout could he make this album again in a different way or like i'm gonna on? i'm gonna say no because it's these kind of things are like bottling lightning yeah it's such a product of the time i feel like of that like this not time as in like the contextual time like that specific time in his life life, yeah ed bradley did this interview with bob i think it was ed bradley who did this interview with bob dylan and he's like uh can you do 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 you think you could write another all right ma i'm only dying he's like no not a chance he's like those things happen 
And for some people, they don't happen to. He almost was, he almost described it, and this is Bob Dylan describing it, as a blessing that he received from like a higher power. That he's like, I'm lucky that I'm the artist who got that. Who like had that, those moments of, you know, fleeting genius. And he's like, you have 40 million moments of non-genius to every one of your genius moments. And I think this is probably where everything comes together for Kanye West. He's at a point now, other than Jesus is King, where he's going to put out a record. It's good. Radiohead is like that. Uh, Marvin Gaye got like that towards the end of his career. I mean, even to an extent, Michael Jackson was like that. Even in the later part of his career, he's still putting up, putting out records that you're not going to say are bad ever. And I think with this, you get to those moments where you reach your ceiling, your, and for him, it's not even a ceiling. It's just, you reach the, you know, you fly to the sun and this time you didn't fly too close to it. And it just all came together at, in this moment. And I think pop music is littered with them. And this was his. Let yeah. me, let me just say, um, if, if he can make an album like this again, I'd love to hear it. Yes. 100%. That sounds like a good time. I but I, like I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna say probably no. I don't. I don't think he can. What do you think? This is the album that I'd be looking for from Kanye again to, like, at, like at the current point that he's at. Like, this is the type of album I'd like want to hear from him again. I think this is the album I'm. I'm like looking for, kind of every release, like maybe from the TLP, like uh, like the Pablo era on. So for this one. One of the big things for this is collaborations. Uh, he continues to double down on them. You know, he finds ways to get the best out of everyone in the studio. This is where the Miles Davis comparison comes from. How does this rank? You know, how does he rank as one of the great leaders in the studio? You know, like, how does he, when we're looking at music, how does he rank there? This is probably one of the last occasions we'll get with, like, Drake and Pusha T on the same album, for sure. Yeah. yeah especially with, Take a uh, picture. Because you're yeah. not going to see it again. Yeah, that's not going to be going down anytime soon. But I fucking love Push, man. He's he kills this. He kills his track. Yeah. Or he's wait, He's on a couple tracks, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's on Soul Paul and uh, Runaway. That's right. That's right. I... Um, I think like also like having Nicki Minaj as as an intro is something that I would have never called for like ever. But like uh, it doesn't bug me. Not at all. What was her? What was her? Um, I don't really remember her. Like, what was going on with her at the time? Like, I know she says like she has no album out yet on the on the track. Um, like, how popular is she at this at this moment? I don't really remember. This is like what 2010. So she was kind of coming where she had transitioned out of like being her Gucci main protege, and she was kind of in the Young Money camp. So this is like her and Drake's ascendant era. Um, so it's before she kind of became the pop phenomenon, but she was transitioning out of being like the female like hood rapper. The only artist, okay, I gotcha. the only artists who are really working at this level in the studio is probably Trent Reznor. Like I'm, and he, Kanye West says, you know, like that's the level of which he's using the studio to his, and he's heavily influenced by Trent Reznor, which would explain a fucking ton. But like you're, again, he's you're looking at. You know, because he, he's pretty, he's a producer and he's a fucking musician. I just love to hear Elton John on the album, though. I just I love hearing like the Elton John because he has the because he, he's got the. I mean, part of genius is picking your collaborators. You know, knowing who would be good on it. Who the fuck thought he's you're gonna bring 
Elton John on this shit. And in his interviews, he almost revels in that. He's like, he loves it when people are like, who? Oh, I didn't think he was going to bring that guy on. I never thought about doing that. He loves when people say, say that. He loves that it never occurred to them. And I, I, like, I fucking love it too. I love that. Like, just looking, don't even listen to the album. Just look at the, the you know, the, the features and stuff on it. It's fucking fantastic. Like, the only person that I can say who's, like, doing it to, to like, in a way that's, like, almost at like Kanye level, or like, Kanye-esque is, like, Travis, I think, in terms of bringing, you know, different people, like, he'll have, like, the 1975 on his song, or he'll, like, be able to, like, incorporate, like, Gunna or whoever, and, like, kind of pull in some of these new, newer acts and some new bands and stuff into the studio. But, like, I don't think there's, like, really anyone doing it, like, today in hip-hop. No. Like, you know, like just working with like that broader range of artists and crafting like a solid sound that like doesn't sound like jarring or, you know, out of his depth. He's never out of his depth in his collaboration, which is like a, a, like amazing. And Travis Scott, I mean, he's obviously taking a cue for it from, you know, he's obviously taking a cue from him and kind of how Kanye West looked at how Jay-Z put together an organization of people to work around. Like you see the, the collaboration on the black the collaborations of the black album and stuff and it's just like a who's who of producers and talent and the result is this fantastic record i think his idea was and this is why he's already bringing in lupe fiasco for late registration in that he's like i need to create my world and my creative world so i can bring these people in and then they become you know arrows in his quiver and yeah and he also like he like it's, it's not just that too like i feel like he genuinely genuinely wants to like put people on like he wants to to like get people popular you know what i mean um not only is like yeah he wants to develop people to be like yo i want to like collaborate with you in this but like he wants he wants you know genuinely good things for these people and like i, I definitely think that's that that's something that needs to be shouted out i agree with that there is some backlash against him though that he kind of like doesn't always fucking follow through and keep going with people that he protégés but i feel like i agree with that like at its at its core because he knows he listen without dame dash he's not getting signed we're probably probably not getting signed because no nine he get turned down by a lot like by by a lot of people and this is one of the most main like this guy and as i said this guy is dictating what music is it's one of those things that people are clearly just not getting. Not because he's not good. Because people just don't get it. They just don't. People are way ahead of their... It could be way ahead of their time. The Velvet Underground was way ahead of their time. Fucking not too oh, many fuck people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not a lot of people went to see that, but the influence is immense. And maybe that, you know, maybe that's his... At that point, that's his destiny. But then fucking Dame Dash shows up. And I think this is why he simultaneously has... He's a megalomaniac. And then simultaneously has a super healthy ego. Because he wants that. He wants to bring that along, and I would definitely argue that as well. It's it's kind of weird the duality with him because he's either insufferable or inspiring. Well, I think there's also something that like I, I wanted to touch on too for this era of collaborations. Like during this time period, he was doing these uh, Good Friday releases where he would do like these oh, yeah. songs with you know a bunch of different artists, and they would come out like every Friday. Uh, and I, I don't know if it was even leading up to the album. It was just kind of like in the same time period of, of the album. So he's putting out like a lot of music that was really good with a lot of people. And like they were kind of just throwaway tracks because it was like pre-Spotify or whatever days. 
Um, and then some of the tracks would go on to make the album. But I think it's interesting too that to have like he has a few acts on um, this album that like have two two or more features, like Rick Ross on two songs, Pusha T's on two songs, Jay Z's on two songs. I think Bonnie Bear's on two songs and yeah. maybe not like, one verse and the intro. So I think that's also something like really interesting, like to kind of repurpose artists. Um, and he, he has them on multiple songs and it's not boring. You're not like, oh, I don't want to hear, I heard Pusha like a song ago. I don't want to hear Pusha from this song. It's like, oh no, like you're, it just flows. If anything, it helps us to tighten the record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're not, you're not having too many one-offs. I mean, when Nicki Minaj comes in, but she's got a pretty big verse. Like she's in the track is... She's in it, so that's like a highlight. Out, that's like a highlight of the album. It, it is too. Yeah, exactly. It's like one of those. It's one of the definitely one of the high points on the record. On a record that has tons of fucking high points. <laughs> exactly. That's really saying something. Yeah, exactly. But I think having individuals on there for multiple songs, it it prevents it from being disjointed. Jointed little flourishes of Kid Cudi, and then big flourishes of Kid Cudi, and you know, it's like he brings in the roster. And he had everyone in suits. I remember Chris Rock, his interview, he was talking about, he's like, I went in and fucking everyone was in suits. And, you know, this is, again, it's going back to these images of jazz in the 50s and this idea of coming in and it's fucking work. It's not, you're, they're going to have fun, but you're, there is very much here to do something. And yeah, they, they were like in the studio for like 12 hours a day, like four till four. Yeah. I think that was his like Rosewood era, he called it. Like he had this like kind of like concept, like high-minded concept. So everyone from good music was in suits at the time. And it was just like a unique like thing. Because I think like Kanye became very insular after the, the Taylor Swift moment. And like he became very like kind of quiet to the public. But he was doing all these different kind of things within him, his camp, which was really interesting. Well, for sure. Because everyone took the, I, I listen, the Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, you know, he's a dick. People take everything too fucking far. Yo, at the but at the end of the day, okay, let's let's not forget for a hot second, he was right. Obviously, he was yeah, right. He was. We were, we were we we weren't like yo for that specific Taylor Swift video that's iconic. We're like it's like no, she lost. Uh, Beyonce's uh, single ladies lost. Like you know what I mean? Like Kanye was right. He was a dick about it, but he was right. No, he was absolutely, absolutely right. One hundred percent. I think and. You know, I do. I do think that maybe they, someone should have mentioned that uh, that it was a little ridiculous. Again, this is one of those things where people just—I think—they don't get it because you're really at that point getting into when Beyonce is getting fucking really good. And obviously, her high watermark is Lemonade in terms of like that's her record that is stamped that's going on her epitaph, right? I'm Beyonce. I made this, and I get to be—I'm a—I get—I'm legendary, legendary for a bunch of other reasons, but that record is just. Another thing, when I listened to it, my jaw dropped. But, you know, I, I, so I think that there's a little bit of that. I definitely would, I definitely think that, uh, Beyonce at that level, I think in general, Lance will fucking disagree with this, works at a higher level than Taylor Swift. So, mine, I never, I, <laughs> listen, I, I, I love Taylor Swift, but I, I like, I, I enjoy Taylor Swift. Like I enjoy frosted flakes, like you know what I mean. It's like yummy and it's delicious, but it's like there's no sustenance. Yeah, but you're not gonna fucking nunchaku people if they attack frosted flakes. That's true. Sorry, what were you saying, Gobert? I was saying like you only enjoy her in the morning and occasionally as like a late night snack. (laughs) Listen, I'll eat I'll eat frosted flakes any goddamn time of the day. (laughs) Yeah, this guy is definitely when he says frosted flakes, he really means filet mignon and his (laughs) twisted his uh. 
you know, twisted world. But yeah, he was he was absolutely um, correct. We got to get going. But before we go, I just want to ask one more thing. What are our thoughts on Amber Rose's vocals? Well, I mean, I think they're like a highlight of the, the, the blame game. Like the easy taught me, like, I don't know. I thought that was like, it just, it pulls you into this world at the time. And like this, like musical interludes, like the bat, the beat and everything, like just the way it was all built. And like, it kind of pulls you out. And like, it's this like beautiful interlude about something like really so lewd and like, so like risque, but it just works. And it's like, it's over the most lush instrumentals, which is like, it's amazing. I think. Hey man, you, I already said Blame Game is like my favorite on the album. She does pretty fucking good. And I think like too, that's, this is his first like high profile, like, cause he, he'd been engaged before. This is his first like high profile relationship. And obviously he would get to Kim Kardashian later, but like that was like, this was such a whole thing. Like everywhere Connie went, Amber Rose was there. And like, there's a whole like kind of culture around that. Do we think the music would have been better with Amber Rose? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I, I'm I don't, I'm not gonna touch that one. I'll pass. <laughs> Same. Oh, okay, guys. On the Amber Rose note, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.